Hi, I'm Marty Grizzani, and this is The Marty Grizzani Show. As a full-time real estate investor and business owner, I have a real fascination of finding the key principles for business success and personal development. This show is a reflection of my personal mission to find out what truly makes somebody successful in business and in life. We will find tools and tactics that they've used to reach those levels. If you're the type of person is not satisfied with average and you have a hunger for learning that will never cease, this show is for you. Welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you. And before I, I before guys, and of course, this is the Marty Grizzani show. I know you've all been waiting for the next episode and here it is. I'm really excited to talk to this person because I honestly believe he's got the biggest stones in Rochester and, uh, and I'll get into why. But uh, I have on the show, Matt Denker. He's the owner of LBLD Living. He's a developer. He is a, an owner of a local restaurant. He is a writer and a very good one. And uh, he's the bearded wonder. And he, he's Matthew Denker. So Matt, welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much. So excited to be here. So I want to talk a lot about the newest things that are going down sure. in the on the Marsh Street, 19th Ward, beautiful development. I was able to get there today. But before I do that, before we do a deep dive into Marsh Street, where the hell does your drive come from? Uh, better than the alternative. I, uh, I couldn't... I couldn't handle not being busy. I just, I need to be, I need to be accomplishing stuff at all times. And you really do. It's just how it is. Yeah. Where does it come? I mean, do you, you have a big chip on your shoulder. Uh, yeah. You know, it's funny. I've thought that I do good work for a long time and I have struggled for a long time to get anyone to believe that. Um, it took me a long time coming out of college to find a job, which was strange because I had good grades and I went to RIT and then grad school at U of R and, and it was always uh, a struggle. And I don't, I don't know why I, I didn't have this beard at the time. Couldn't have been that. And <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, reasonably articulate. I think this is very challenging. I don't want to make my sound sound too puffed up here, but no, please. You know, this is what this is about. I really want the, I want the, you know, I really want, cause I, I know you're very humble, but I want you to be real because this is important for people listening to see what does it take to do what you do? You know, this isn't easy. This is real stuff. This is like the real business and I'm going to dive in more, but keep going. Bud. Yeah. So just for a very long time, I have just struggled with people not believing me, I guess is the best way to put it not necessarily not believing in me my wife is incredibly supportive i couldn't do this without her i want to bar none couldn't do it without her but and and my family has been supportive all these years too i, I don't want to discount anyone close to me in my life that i uh, has been behind me for years and years and years now but i think more broadly i have always felt as though you know what i can do has been discounted by other people and I would like to prove otherwise. I, I don't know if I'm doing it, but I'm, I'm certainly trying. That is what it's about. I believe that. I know that. I have that. And I, I'm living it. And I know you are too. And that's where I want to know where, you know, why you have this big chip on your shoulder. Because here's something that I heard. And tell me if I'm wrong. But 
I heard a story, this was about five, six years ago, when I met Matt actually at a uh, real estate meetup. And one of the <clears> founders of that meetup, Matt Druin, a local celebrity here in Rochester, he had said that before you built anything, before you did anything, you just kept saying to yourself, I'm a developer, I'm a developer, I'm a developer. Is that a true story? Uh, yeah, yeah, you have to. Um, it's someone else in this field nationally, um, a guy named R. John Anderson. Uh, he's down in Atlanta right now, but he basically many years ago said, all it takes to be a developer is put it on your business card. And I said, all right, well, that's, that's what I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to do. And I mean, here's the thing. I, um, I own 16 units in town rentals. Um, but I've never really wanted to be a landlord. I've always wanted to build something, you know, from the, from the ground up and, and the timing on that's always very interesting. I mean, we're, I know we're going to talk about Marsh Moore a little bit uh, later in the show, but where that's built, we bought that apartment building a decade ago no uh, and only finally are now building some townhouses next to it on what used to be a very large parking lot next to the building. So it's, it's some of this stuff, it's the long game to be certain, you know, but I've always wanted to be building stuff and I, and I've been making some progress on that in the last few years. Yeah, no, you really have. I mean, you've, you've done an incredible job on the the property on Atkins street. The, the first ones that you did on, what was that? Like Lumberton, uh, Lamberton, yep. Lamberton street. And, you know, guys, these aren't, uh, this isn't, you know, land on park Avenue land in, you know, Pittsburgh or Hilton or Brockport. We're, we're talking about land really in a neglected area, you know, inner city. It's not people's first choice. Why were you driven or why did you see opportunity in some of these areas that other people wouldn't ever taken a chance on? Sure. I mean, some of it is just where the opportunity happens to be. You know, there's not a lot of land available on Park Avenue to, to do work. I mean, as much as I would love to be building something fancy on Park Avenue, there's only so much available land over there. Uh, a lot of the potential profits are baked into that land cost that someone else is making that money, right? For me to buy that same city lot off of Park Avenue would be $40,000 instead of $2,000. So obviously I would need to then bake that into the pricing and, it, and it's that much more uh, complicated to do. And then, I mean, a little bit of it is signaling by the neighborhood and their willingness to work with a developer. You know, plenty of people have lost their shirts trying to work in on Park Avenue or in uh, Grove Place or other neighborhoods where the neighborhood has uh, sued over them doing this. And this happens at all levels of development. I mean, the neighbors in Highland Park sued Angelo and Gracia for trying to build, you know, $80 million worth of apartments where the old divinity school uh, was. So it's, it's the, the difference is a project that large has some amount of space in its budget to deal with lawyers. And when I'm trying to build a hundred and, you know, $35,000 house, there's not a lot of wiggle room to to pay my lawyers to deal with the neighborhood <laughs> association too. There, it can be challenging. A, there's not a hundred thousand dollar retainer fee for your attorney in case things go sideways. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and, and my attorney is great. Uh, big shout out to him. But 
yeah, it's, it's very challenging to fit that into a smaller project. And so in some ways you have to find where that opportunity is. And a little bit of it is also um, kind of picking out the right area where you think you can make a difference and not lose your shirt, like I said, before doing it. Um, one of the great things about the house on Atkinson Street that we sold is that it's in the same zip code as Corn Hill, mm. uh, which helps a lot with appraisals, that the person who bought it was able to get a mortgage on it and that it appraised for what we were trying to sell it for, despite the fact that, you know, if you walk down that street, there's not another house on that block that at least when we sold it the year and a half ago now, there's not another house on that block that's $135,000. But because of the location, you know, uh, appraisals are a little bit of science, but they're also a little bit of art. And knowing that you're in something adjacent to a neighborhood that'll appraise helps a lot because, you know, an appraisal isn't house by house generally, right? They have to look at an area because there's only so many houses that'll have sold, you know, next to the one you're trying to do. So appraisals are a little bit broader than that. I mean, obviously an appraiser is not going to look at a house that's sold in Greece and compare it to a house in the city, but for it to be on one side of Ford Street to the other side, that doesn't change an appraisal. You know, if the houses on one side of Ford Street are selling for a certain amount, the ones on the other side of Ford Street could potentially sell for that same amount, depending, you know, on what it is you're actually trying to sell. No, and that's that's really good. And, and if there's a lot to unpack there, especially, you know, just from the beginning of, yes, the story is correct. I did say that I am a developer and I did. Uh, yes, that, that is accurate. Yeah, you just start saying it and then one day you're, you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> But that's important because I think a lot of people, they miss that part where it's like, if you don't believe it, then who else is going to believe it? Right. And I think that's where this kind of story comes back to where I said, you know, where does that drive come from? And I think you were thinking, here's what I think. And tell me if I'm wrong. You knew that you could do just like what everybody else is doing, but you had to really believe it and harness it. And some people were going to be supportive you know, those people around you obviously are supportive, but they're not the first ones to go. Yeah, for sure. You're, you know, you're a developer. Like you had to prove it to yourself first. And then it, I'm sure it was a little bit simpler for people around you to then go, wow, this guy's really serious. He's, he's actually really doing this shit. I'm actually doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Actually doing it. It's true. I had to prove that, but you know, it's also funny because I don't know. I mean, I'm still referring to myself as a developer. It's what I'm doing. I don't know at what point you become a developer, someone else though, right? I certainly haven't done a project to the size of anything that, uh, you know, Andy Galena is doing right now. Um, so I'm not, I'm not to that level. So I don't know what went at what point people, I don't know if it's when I show up and be, be greedy enough that I become an actual developer or what, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's when I'm you start sure, getting sure we'll the, get there eventually. I don't know. It's when you start having the signs that say, you know, stop. <laughs> you see like the you see whatever you might see the stop gentrification signs yeah right like one of the yard signs that are anti my projects that's yeah when I know I've, I've hit the big time that's when yeah. you know you made it no but i mean that's seriously though i mean and there you go and now it all makes sense because you were just saying you know i don't know if i'm at that level and and it's because i know one of your you know, again, it, it's to keep going. It's to get bigger. It's to do bigger projects, right? I mean, isn't that- Oh, absolutely. Whole, right? I mean, what are we doing? I mean, it's to do stuff that's scary. I'm sure when we when you talk about Atkinson, which is a really scary project, when you first look at it, right? And I, and I, I really thought this was a really cool project because it's, 
it's a you know it's one of the smallest houses but it's so compact and it's like it's like 800 square feet right or was it yeah, smaller than yeah it's, no it's it's uh so uh legally it's 832 square feet but that's that's corner to corner on the foundation so it's it's really not ultimately 832 square feet of you know livable livable space and it's set i mean it absolutely set the records for you know price per square foot <laughs> uh yeah it did, it did all right per square foot i mean ultimately it was not a very expensive house but it, it absolutely pushed the the price per square foot certainly in the neighborhood if nothing else and deservedly so i mean it was it was very well done it was a beautiful project and i, I mean, i'm actually pissed that there wasn't more on the democratic chronicle wham wherever people go to their news around here about that project because I thought it was such a great thing that you did. Um, anyway, we, and, and I want to talk, but but okay, so you go from there to now the marshes, right? So this is another project, which is much larger. So I, I want to do a little bit of a deep dive into this because I really don't, other than, and I was very fortunate to go today to go inside. I was, it was, it was awesome. Real excited about what's happening there. Beautiful outside. Beautiful. Um, I mean, really, really well done. Super, super manicured to the absolute extent. So it's going to be a phenomenal project. I know it's going to fly off the shelf, but can you just tell me? You know, again, I know that there was a little bit about you had a project next door. It was an apartment, but what was the step after that? I bought the lot that Marsh or that that Atkinson Street is built on in the property tax auction, the last one the city did before the pandemic. Okay. So it must have been what November of 2019, something that like that. I that I bought it, and then we built Marsh, or sorry, uh, built Atkinson Street. So we, I bought the lot. We did the design work. We built it that fall. So construction started on it mid-August, and we finished it at Thanksgiving. And it took us a couple months over the winter to sell it. And then we, we sold it, and I closed on it, I want to say, beginning of April 2021. So I sold it a little more than a year ago okay. now. I started design work on the townhouses three years ago, almost to the day. Wow. We started in May before I had ever even bought the lot on Atkinson. So that's how much bigger of a project it is and how much longer it's taken uh, because we bought that lot. I actually got approvals for building Atkinson after I had approvals to build or after I had already started hearings for building Marsh Street. So let's go into that a little bit because this is completely different territory than anything that I'm used to. So first, let's just talk quickly on the designing part. Sure. What does that look like? Like, are you looking at things that have been done before? Are you talking to architects? Are you saying, hey, here's what I have. Here's how much I want to build. What can we do? Sure. So. Uh, to to rewind just a little bit, and what one of the things that really got me into doing what I'm doing right now, I I always wanted to build something, but one of the things that got me into building the kind of things I'm building right now was uh, a number of years ago. Now, my wife and I uh, bought a lot here in the city, and we wanted to build our dream house. And we sat down with an architect, 
uh, and we we said, all right, here's our budget. This is what we want to do. This is the kind of programming that we want for this house. You know what we're trying to get to. And they said, okay, you know, here's what it's going to cost for us to do the architect work, and uh, and we'll get there. And we said, okay, fine. So we started spending money with them and spending money with them, and we went through this whole process. We actually did all the design work, had it approved by the city, but by both zoning and uh, preservation because it was in a historic district <clears throat> here in the city. And then we went out to get quotes on having it built. And the first quote we got back just for construction, not for anyone to make any profit on. I mean, clearly the contractors will make profit, but not like for me to sell it to somebody else to make a profit, just for us to build it for ourselves. It was going to be $600 a square foot. Which at the time you could build a skyscraper in New York City for six hundred dollars a square, <laughs> like in construction costs. We're not talking right. any other costs, just in construction costs. It was going to be six hundred dollars a square foot, and at that point, the whole thing blew up, right? I mean, we we obviously we couldn't spend. You can't spend six hundred dollars a square foot building a house in in right. Rochester. I no. mean, you can if you're the Sands and you're doing it on Canandaigua, <laughs> right? But you can't do that right. here in the city. Um, trying to do that, just not. It's not functional, like that's not a thing. And so one of the things that I dedicated myself to when all this happened was figuring out why exactly was this number so off base? Why is it so expensive? Why was that so expensive? Why is it so expensive to do something in Rochester when at the time other comparable metro areas in other places were incredibly cheaper to build things. Uh, and so that's kind of what set me on this path. Like, how do we do what we're doing? Fast forwarding to now, um, I do basically all of my architecture work with a, a local firm called Party, Party Partnership Architects. Um, they're fantastic to work with. And so when the time came that I finally had numbers on townhouses to be like, okay, this is what I think we can do construction-wise, sales-wise, whatever, because at that point I already had some idea of construction numbers from the last project, from what was on Lamberton. I went to them and said, all right, this is what I'm trying to do. We need to, to can we sort this out? Like, what can we do? They had um, a, a design off the shelf that they had done for a prior client that we sort of started with and said, okay, well, how do we like push and pull and squeeze and like get this to be something that's what I'm trying to, to do uh, and, and uses and kind of captures the sort of efficiencies that I'm going for. And so we started doing that design work um, that May, like I said, May, three years ago now. And we went to the Neighborhood Association that August to show them preliminary designs and get some feedback. And we made a whole bunch of changes. We submitted to the city in September. I didn't have the first hearing for it scheduled until January, which um, took a little long, uh, a little longer than we were expecting, but took a little long. And then in the middle of having all these hearings, COVID hit and the city shut down for two months. And so we didn't have approvals to build the project based on all the changes, all the different hearings, all the stuff until that July. So we had already been at it for more than a year when we finally had approvals to do it. Yes. Um, for better or worse, uh, uh, so we went and got a bank loan to be able to build it. We have a construction loan to to build it, um, which is which is great. But um, 
a bank won't close a construction loan with you until you literally have like a building permit and you're ready to like start construction. They won't like you need all of your ducks in a row and not just some of your ducks, like all of your ducks in a row before you have a construction loan. So we didn't close. So we had started working with the bank as we were getting approvals. But even once we had approvals, we couldn't close on a loan. We needed to finish all the drawings, right? Because when you're doing approvals, you don't actually get construction drawings to build with. You end with a set of drawings that that's good enough for all of the approvals you need from the city for, for zoning and, and planning and all of that. But what you actually need to like bid out to contractors and have that's going to get built and also is going to get you building permits from the city. Mm. Um, you don't do those drawings until afterwards because they take a bunch more time and there's no reason to do all of that engineering work to just have to change it because, you know, zoning says, oh no, you have to move a wall here or do something like that. So we spent another month or two after getting approvals in July doing that. And then we went to get building permits, which took another couple months. And so we finally closed on the construction loan in March of last year of 2021. Okay. And we basically, we started construction immediately uh, and then ran in, immediately ran into all kinds of other problems. And, uh, and here we are with the finished townhouse now in, <laughs> uh, in May of 2022. What a dance it is to, to get something done. Like how, how important is it? working let me just start off with how important is it working with the neighborhood first is that like if you were to talk to somebody who is thinking about doing this do you need to talk your with your local like community like the local the neighborhood is it like what's this is that an important step because you were just talking about how in gracia can get you can get sued in the local area like it's it just- is at the very least very polite to do and you should do it um i think a lot of neighborhood associations are really good and really hardworking and trying to do a really good job. Um, that doesn't mean that they're sophisticated enough to be able to articulate changes that they they want or need or would be valuable. Um, and that's okay too. Um, that's part of the expertise you as a developer bring to the table. I think it's really good to try and work with the neighborhood association. I don't think you neighborhood associations anyone who logs on from a neighborhood association watches the video is going to hate this i don't think you need to kill yourself to do everything it is that they would like you to do i think there needs to be some meeting in the middle on it and that that's just a thing that you're also going to end up being responsible for doing for trying to get to something that that tries to address their concerns as best as you can but also maintains the viability of a project right because at the end of the day if you if you can't you know build it for the price that you need to for what the rents are going to cover then there's no project at all right you, you the whole thing is blown up and so you need to always be cautious about that too it's just not going to pencil out and it's just not going to always exactly. be the way you want it to be and that's yeah. that's the deal right but you're going to do what you can it's yeah. not going to be uh it's not it's not going to be one of those uh you know properties where it's like you see some of these 1970 builds that are in the like the that the that the government built and you just go oh god it's like it's not going to yeah. be that <laughs> no it's true uh so I, so one meeting with the neighborhood's good everyone should do it i highly valuable at the same time my my 
biggest recommendation to anyone who wants to start doing this is to to try and start with a project that is of right that you are allowed to do without needing any variances or without needing a special permit or any of that. Um, you are better off doing your first project um, without that, if you can. It's a, it's a lot less stressful. It, there's a lot less variability in how long it takes to, you know, get going on it. So, and, and, that's one of those places where for anyone who is less experienced, finding the right architect who can guide you through that process to ending up with a design that will be of right is, is really valuable. So let's get into some of the problems that happened. Sure. Maybe in, in couple, and maybe a couple of the projects, but like, what are some of like the, just the absolute whammies? And I'm sure you're riddled. And I'm sure you're riddled with scar tissue from problems that have happened that you've just had. And hold on, before we do that, even like, what do you do when those problems happen? Like, do you lose your mind? Uh no. I I mean, usually by the time problems are happening, you've got to figure out a good solution to them, right? That the money's been certain, some amount of money's been spent, and it would behoove you to come up with a solution to the problem. That, are you? That, are you? Do you meditate? How do you get through some of the stressful stuff? Uh, not break break stuff. You know, just smash things. Whatever. <laughs> it's that's my meditation. Uh, no, I. Uh, there are some problems are bigger and more stressful than others, um, and it doesn't necessarily. It's not necessarily like oh, the easy ones are less stressful and the hard ones are more stressful. I I think in some ways it comes down to like getting to work through a creative solution to them can be more rewarding than mm. problems that are just dumb, that, that there are a lot of dumb problems that aren't even necessarily hard problems that create more stress than ones that are a, a more enjoyable puzzle to, to solve. I think you just dropped a bomb for the audience. That's that, you know, it's the, it's the looking at it with, Hey, the problems happened. Can't go back now. Let's try to figure out a creative way. I'm a creative person. I can figure this out. I've, you know, we we've gotten this far, or hey, this is not going to be the end of the project. So we have to figure this out. We're already we're already too far in. We got to make it work, baby. Right. So, but but like I said, what what form that takes and what that looks like can be different. There are problems that are that seem like they shouldn't be so stressful that are just really really irritating so <laughs> on the house on atkinson street yeah let's go the county said there was a, a a lateral a sewer lateral to the property from the sewer line under the street and they marked where it was for us i can assure you we dug and dug and dug there was no sewer lateral. <laughs> so we don't know if it was removed when the street mm. was rebuilt at some point. We don't know if whoever owned that building. I mean, the building that had been there did not have a public sewer connection when it was built. It was built in the like, it was one. Of, I mean, that neighborhood there is one of the oldest residential neighborhoods in the entire city. The house that had been torn down in the 80s was 130 years old when it was torn down in the 80s. It was built before there was public sewer there. It is not clear if maybe it never had a sewer connection. We don't know what the story was, but let me tell you, there was no sewer line there. Wow. That 
that was annoying. Like that yeah. was like, like flip the table kind of annoying because at the end of the day, it's another $13,000 to dig a whole hole into the street that we weren't planning on yeah. and make this whole other connection to the sewer line because it wasn't where we thought it was going to be. That's, that's, like, a, that's an incredible, that's an incredible cost to come on with that where you weren't expecting like that's, yeah. that's a big piece of that's a big piece right there. It's a it's a big chunk of change at the end of it. It's it's the difference between making money and losing money on a project like that. It's just, there's no there's no two if ands or buts around it. Um, but it, at Marsh Street, as you might have noticed, some of our landscaping involves some large rocks. So unlike where Atkinson is, where there was a house um, at some point in the past. Um, that land uh, on Marsh Street had never been built on. It mm. was uh, it was land for St. Monica's uh, that was part of whatever their land grant was hundreds of years ago, and they had never built anything on it. So what we weren't expecting to find anything when we started digging, and in fact, we didn't like hit a foundation that we didn't know we were going to do or hit a steel pipe or anything like that. In fact, we started digging and we hit so many boulders. Wow. Those boulders that are there that you saw as landscaping were some of the smallest ones. No way. I have photos of like car-sized boulders that were so oh, big, God. we had to build a ramp and roll them out of the foundation pit that we couldn't pick them up with our equipment. Oh my God. <laughs> and so that was fun to try and figure out like what we were going to do. We like reached out to landscaping companies. Like, would you take them? No. Out to, here's the funny thing. Like, someone would pay thousands of dollars to have that boulder in their yard as right. like a piece of landscaping, except right. the getting it from there to there and time, you know, is a disaster. Ultimately, we, we kicked around in the backyard there and found a spot that didn't have anything, dug a gigantic pit, a just absolutely massive hole, rolled everything into it, filled it all back up, called it a day. So <laughs> pro tip, don't ever buy that property thinking you're going to build something on top of the parking lot. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to go well. I sure. Really no, there's no way of uh, foreseeing anything like that. Not, not really. The, the boulders thing is tough because, you know, if you, if you're doing something on a lot, you could do like some test pits and you could find out like if there was a foundation there, right? Because it takes up a certain amount of area a house was there. You're going to hit stuff somewhere in a couple test pits that's like, oh, there was clearly a house there, right? Um, with the boulders, it would not have been hard, even if we had gone in and been like, oh, we'll do a couple test bores just to make sure, you know, there's nothing weird under surface conditions or something. We could very easily have done a half dozen of them and not hit a single boulder, like never <laughs> hit one of these rocks. And still started digging and just been like, oh, now what do we do? Um, one of the happy results to this um, that was nice is originally the houses were all going to just be crawl spaces. But because of the size of the boulders and where they were, we had to excavate more dirt and boulders than we were expecting to. So a couple of the units have full basements. Two of the I two front gonna, two units. I was going to ask you. I saw the one that did, and I thought, well, that isn't 
something that I've seen before that you've done because like on Atkinson, there wasn't a full base. Yeah, it's on a slab in a, on right. Atkinson, yeah. And I thought that was really cool. That So because of the site grade, we had always planned for there to be some amount of crawl spaces because if you see it grades, I mean, it's it's not like San Francisco, but there's absolutely a slope from the front of the site to the back of the site that you sure. had, to have, had to have seen. So we had always planned on doing some amount of crawl spaces because what we wanted to do was bring the framing the construction up to level right so that the foundations were going to be stepped up as you went across the site but it was all going to end up being one level for the first floor of the of the townhouses right so they're all on the same level what happened was that two of them ended up with full basements because of how much extra we had to dig out um and actually the crawl space itself even in the ones that are just crawl spaces are is a bit more generous than we were expecting to. It's um, you probably didn't go down there in the one you were in, but it's um, it's basically like four feet eight inches. So it's a crawl space. You're not going to like walk around in it, but it's not it's not like a crawl space in a in a southern state where it's you know a foot between you and some gravel underneath the house, and you're like you know uh, exactly. uh, frog walking under there kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> right. Can we get into some numbers on something like what would that doesn't have to be necessarily the numbers on that if you don't feel comfortable, but what would something like that? What does that entail? Right. Like if we go from from land to construction to the remodel, I mean, what does that all look like? Uh, sure. Hold on. Give me one second here. So as of right now. We are, the townhouses are going to be just under $200 a square foot all in. Okay. So everything from land to architects to profits to you name it. Uh, I think the only thing not included in that $200 a square foot is, pardon me, uh, closing costs, like paying the commission on them being sold and any uh, legal fees, because that comes out off the top at the end, independent of the construction costs underneath it. Okay, okay, great. So, which is a lot more than the two small houses were. Um, A lot of that has to do with both these having basements, but also to do with the additional infrastructure required to do this, right? Because we built these on land that we, we had, but it included the whole parking lot for the uh, apartment building. So in building these townhouses, if you saw, we also built a whole new parking lot in the back for both the townhouses and the apartment building. We built uh, a whole dumpster enclosure. We've uh, done some renovations to the apartment building in the process of doing these townhouses. So there were kind of some added costs to this project that like, uh, not necessarily greenfield development, but like other infill wouldn't necessarily have, right? Like I spent a lot more on driveway and parking for these townhouses than I did on the house on Atkinson because, you know, yeah, we built a driveway for it, but it it wasn't to the same scale of what this is. And, and frankly, even if I built five of these townhouses, each with a driveway similar to Atkinson, it would have been cheaper than the, you know, the extra parking that I needed to to do to accommodate this. And, I, and you know it does look really good. You know the 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 curb appeal of of that whole back looks really really nice. It's it's actually very beautiful. So you guys, it's 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 uh, it's gonna it's gonna work out. I believe it. I know it. Um, so what's next, Matt? I mean, you you've done this. It's gonna like I said. It's 
you're selling them. What the first one is now listed, is that correct? It is. Yep. It's listed. It's 107 Marsh Street. Uh it's listed for 229. Uh it's got a lot, a lot of upgrades, as you might have seen when you were in there. It's got talk about really, it a little bit. Talk about really it nice bit. countertops, uh, really nice kitchen cabinetry. It's got solid hardwood floors, uh, upstairs and downstairs. Um, the shower is is a tiled walk-in shower with glass glass partition. Um, it's it's really nice. Um, the other townhouses start at different prices. I think the least expensive one starts at one ninety nine. Uh, but does not have that upgrade package. It's much more builder grade finishes. Um, it's carpet up the stairs and then all of upstairs. It's laminate floors on the first floor. And so we just have the one finished as the model. The other four are uh, are white boxed. They're basically there with um, the trim and the doors in. There's no floors. The walls aren't painted. There's no kitchen cabinetry. Uh, and so it's they're they're I guess semi customizable. You'd consider it to be that you know people can pick their their floor choices their wall colors and then you know if they want any kind of upgrades for those we can make that happen too a lot uh, for you know for i think we're looking at uh cost plus 18 percent overhead for okay. whatever whatever stuff needs to go in whatever stuff people want installed well that's a that's a solid deal really i mean it's it's really tough to find uh what you might be looking for and having some customization if that's something that you're looking to do. So this is a project that obviously when you look at it, for me, someone that's from the outside looking in, very scary in a way. I mean, this is a really big deal and this isn't your regular fix and flip. This isn't your regular buy a house and fix it up and then rent it, right? With with some of those costs that you know are going to be there. There's a lot of unforeseen. Is it so now that you have this, okay, we just did this, you need a new rush. Uh yeah. I mean, <laughs> I I I guess I do. I as, as if the uh as if the restaurant and the ice company and, and everything weren't <laughs> enough. Uh no it's true. So one of the things I've learned as I've done this project is that this is a very challenging size project to execute. Um, so it's going to have cost about $900,000 um, to, to do uh, probably a little more than that, but we'll call it, we'll call it about $900,000 to have built this. That is generally speaking too much money to get a hard money loan on that there are not a lot of guys kicking around in rochester who are like oh yeah i'll lend you nine hundred thousand dollars like if you you are incredible at house flipping and if you went to the market to be like hey guys give me nine hundred thousand dollars to flip a house it wouldn't you like the people wouldn't just be like lining up at the door with nine hundred thousand dollar checks like that's a, a serious amount of money to be asking it's a solid solid raise lending. yeah it's a solid raise and then you know there's the carrying cost there, it, there's a lot there right there so but but that's a, a lot to ask for for 100 uh, for hard money 100 at yep. the same time that is a comically small amount of money to ask for a bank for a construction loan and it is expensive to close on mm, a construction I, loan for six hundred thousand dollars you're mm. paying their lawyers you're paying for all these closing costs. You're paying for a whole lot of stuff, fees, you name it. You know, they want to do, they do a whole, 
environmental assessment, all of this stuff. It's a lot of money to close on that. If I went to a bank and wanted to borrow $3 million instead of 600,000, there would be twice as many banks willing to lend that. And it would not cost almost any more to close on that $3 million loan as it did to close on a $600,000 loan. Mm. That, that yes, the closing cost would be mar- marginally more, but as a percentage of the project, it plummets. That, that if it cost me $40,000 to close on a $600,000 loan, it might be fifty dollars or $60,000 to close on a $3 million loan. Oh, and wow. so what I, what I, in air quotes, need to do is parlay this project into something in that couple million dollar range. I'd like to keep building um, a couple of small houses here and there when I have the opportunity to as one-offs. Um, borrowing $150,000 in hard money is much easier. Like that's not a huge problem to go to someone, borrow it and get it. You can't go to a bank and get a construction loan on a $150,000 house. Like that's not a thing, but it's not that hard to get that amount of money from someone to go, you know, build a house, to have a, you know, have a model, have a whatever, build a house. Especially with your track record. I mean, looking back, yeah, that would have been, that might've been a little bit of like a, Hey, I'm building over here. And you know, it's a brand new construction in this area. That might not have been the easiest. Uh, no, it would have been really hard on the first project. Uh, on the fourth or fifth project, it's not, it's not too bad. I've got 100%. places to get that amount of money from. Um, but the next bigger project needs needs to be a couple million dollars needs to be two to three million dollars and so, so, what's so that, what does that look like uh i mean it, it could be townhouses like this again but it would be 10 or 15 of them or a, do, a dozen of them instead of of five of them so it need to be a, a project a little bit bigger like that um it could be a small 12 to 20 unit apartment building i'd love to build one of them that's that's like uh, a dream sort of project to do like a 12 to 20 unit apartment building somewhere. Um, so that's closer to what I think that the next project is hopefully going to be. Um, depending on how things go and shake out, it it might end up being that kind of size, small subdivision somewhere. If I do a subdivision, I want it to be a little bit unique. I don't want to cop out and just you know, go do a 50 home Ryan Holmes subdivision in Henrietta or something and nothing against them. Here's the thing. I, I just can't compete with that. Like they, they have it down to a science. Not only are they big enough that they're buying, you know, lumber futures and stuff, but, but what they're doing is, is a very specific product. It's what they do. It's what people like, they know what it's, it's like buying a, a Honda, you know what you're getting when you go buy it. And that's fine. Like that's, that's the point of it. Um, I would want to do something a little bit more unique and a little bit different than that. Uh, I don't know exactly what that would look like, but if I were going to do it, I'd want it to, to, you know, feel like a product I did kind of thing. Well, the city should give you the ability to do those things. Like, why isn't the city knocking on a door like yours and saying, hey, you know, in my, here's what I'm thinking. This is me as the city. You paid your dues. You did some projects that no one else was doing and it's time for you because, you know, you want to be able to have the smaller developer get in on some of these bigger projects. Like what's stopping you from getting in on some of these larger, is it 
Is it just the is it just the time? Is it the the team? Is it what is it that is like, hey, why are why are why aren't am I getting why why is why aren't these coming across my desk? Because I'm a I can do them now. Sure. So I, I mean I think there's a couple things going on here. So one, um, really large development in the city takes a couple of forms. So bigger than I'm talking about, it takes a couple of forms. Either A, um, it's a it's a private thing that happens uh, with a bunch of money. Take something like um, the property that Morgan built on on University. Um, uh, what is it? U nine eight thirty three. The U or something nine thirty three. The U, whatever it is. Yeah. So you know that was that was a deal that they made uh, with the the Voyager, um, and that they that they went through this whole process and they and they built it, and I mean, it's very it's that's a very successful project i mean they when that building opened it opened with a wait list for apartments like it was completely rented out when it opened it opened with a wait list um and some of those apartments were very very expensive i remember i got in the building right when it opened so four four or five years ago now it's not brand new anymore right no it's beautiful um it was the first i remember thinking to myself when i walked in and toured it this is the first building i've been in in rochester reminds me of apartment building in new york city Wow. Like it's not it's not tall, but like what they did with the hallways, what they did with the lighting, with everything. It was the first apartment building in the city I was in. And I said, hey, this actually this feels like a New York City apartment building more than anything else I've I've been in here. Uh, and I, I really I really like that. I thought they did a great job with it. Um, so that's private. It's a lot of money. You know, it doesn't mean that they didn't ask for for tax breaks or whatever. And in fact, <clears throat> to show my own Marsh Street townhouses for one more second here before we go yeah. back to this part of it. Um, they have the, they're the first project outside of downtown to have the choice exemption. So they've got a 10 year, um, sliding tax exemption on them for owner occupants. So you only pay 10% of your taxes the first year, uh, rolling up to, uh, a hundred percent in year, in year 10. So for each one of them, it's, it's like 30 plus thousand dollars worth of savings over the 10, the 10 years, if you're in it. That's incredible. All right. So going back to this though. Um, so. The other kind of large scale development is very lumpy. Pardon me. So, you know, the city did RFPs for all of the inner loop land, I don't know, three, three, four years ago now, right? right? So there's not like a constant stream of big RFP projects like that. It's it's I'm hoping that by the next time they get around to doing a set of them, maybe for the next part of the inner loop that's going to get filled in in a couple of years that I'm in an actual position to, to respond to that and try and, mm. and do something. Um, but, but there's not, there's not like a lot of that just kicking around on a regular interval. That said, I want to give the city some credit. They absolutely do send stuff my way, Excellent. but I think the the part that we, that, that needs a little bit more work is that they just don't have a lot of experience working with smaller operators. Hmm. And so a lot of the requirements that are attached to the work make it very challenging to, to do it as a small operator. And, and I don't think the city, I, I mean, I guess I could be wrong, but I don't think the city is doing this maliciously. I just think it's kind of a lack of experience that there's just certain commitments that they're looking for on some of this stuff that are very, very challenging to meet as a small operator or for smaller projects in the same way that I said, oh, you know, I could go to more banks and borrow more money for less, basically, if I had a bigger project. 
if the city wants a smaller project done, the cost of having oversight for requirements on the project to, to make sure that things are being met, that 20% of the project is being done by MBEs or something, that cost isn't linear with the size of the project. You know, if, if 20% of a $500,000 project needs to be MBEs and I still need the same staff of lawyers to certify that, that's a big percentage of those project costs as compared to a $20 million project. And so I think it creates real challenges. And, and I don't, I don't think that, like I said, I don't think the city's doing that maliciously. I just think it's a kind of lack of experience in the space. And hopefully as I do this and as some other, uh, other young guys do some real estate development, because I know there's another guy in town who's about to get started on his first project, which is super exciting, uh, building a few townhouses himself. Oh, wow. I'm hoping as a few more small developers move into the space and try and do this, that that the city starts to change a little bit and be able to better accommodate, you know, developers at different size levels with different, uh, I don't want to say levels of ability. That's that's not the right way to put it. I, I think, you know, we've got uh, a certain level of ability, but just like a certain scope and, and you know, a certain like plan for a certain size project. Um, because one of the reasons that you just don't see smaller projects is that like the bigger guys aren't set up to do it. Like even home leasing, who's doing these like couple of smaller apartment buildings in uh, Beachwood right now, it's still like 60 or 70 units across five or six buildings, right? It's not, they're not doing one 10 unit building. Like the project right. is still 50 or 60 units. It just happens to be spread out across a couple of smaller building designs. Um, I, I still think they would struggle um, with the overhead involved in executing like one 10 unit building. Whereas right. I would love to go build a 10 unit building, but based on like the current process and, and where it's at, I, I think the city would struggle to accommodate a project that size um, themselves. You know, but but my hope is to at least do you know more projects with with private money and and private land and everything like that. Well, your hat's in the arena. Your hat's in the arena. You're you're you know you're willing. You're willing to to do some of those things. You know, being like the ten unit, the twenty unit. Those are those are still needed, and and those would be great projects, obviously for you. So, what are your thoughts on what's happening with the the inner loop? Like, so how many parts of this are going to be? you know, basically filled in. So we, we obviously have the two already done, right? Or the one the, part. The one part. Uh, I mean, I think it's, I think I, the city has gotten a lot of money for it. I think within a couple of years, it's gone. Then wow. it's completely gone. So my understanding is that the preferred <clears throat> alignment and selection uh, as far as rebuilding it goes is actually more aggressive than I was expecting. So a few years ago, if you'd asked me, I would have said it's probably going to continue across the old Central Avenue Bridge and end at uh, at North Clinton, like by the train station. It seems to me right now, like they're going to take it back all the way. That wow. um, if you know where my house is and where Buckingham Commons is, the orange uh, brick building, like across the highway from the ballpark. Yes. Um, and my understanding is it's going to end there. That literally both off ramps, so from the west and from the east, are going to end at a new traffic light at Plymouth Avenue, that the highway is going to come down instead of going up to the bridge like it does now and end at Plymouth Avenue. And that Allen Street is going to be disconnected from the off-ramp and made into like a full, a full street, two-way street by That's our neighborhood. Aggressive. Yeah. 
It's super, super exciting though. Yeah, that's amazing for the city. If, if that yeah. is, because I mean, obviously there's been just absolutely, the, the first project has been, I think probably 10x what they thought it was going to be. I think it's gone. I think it's gone really well. Yeah, really well, really well. And I'm living it right now. I mean, I'm right there on the interloop yeah. on, on Union and Gardner Park. So I'm I'm a huge fan of what's going on. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's incredible that they're going to, you know, do, you know, the second phase being uh, what's that street with the apartment building that was just built right over there. Oh, Adventure Place. Yeah. That, yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. love that street. I'm over there all the time walking down and it's great. It's insane. And we get the the brewery. I mean, we, get, we have like a brewery district that's that's coming up you know we got strange bird and obviously rock brewing and then that fatties from buffalo is coming in yeah and and nine spot that building is coming out amazing they did, i don't know if you saw they started like taking the plywood out of the upstairs windows and and working glass in already no uh, where towners used to be over on monroe yes yeah it's really spot. exciting over there yeah no, we, we got a good thing going, Matt. We got a good thing going. I want to be cognizant of your time. I want to say thank you for coming on here. I appreciate you. Oh, I know the city appreciate Absolutely. The city should appreciate you. I know they do. But the things that you're doing are incredible. It's really, really exciting to see people willing to put their money where their mouth is and, and really do some really cool things in this city. And I can't wait to see what this looks like and what your career looks like in the next five to 10 years, because I know it's going to be absolutely awesome. So I appreciate you, man, for doing what you do. Well, thank you so much. I, I, I appreciate it as well. It's, it's good to hear that it's working, that, that someone likes it and that it, it's, it's good. Yeah. You're doing a good job, buddy. Guys, thanks for listening. That was Matt Danker. If you want to learn more, he's, his website is the lbldliving.com. Is that right? Yep. And uh, people can find out more information. He'll have a new project by the time this is probably coming out. But, you know, go on Facebook, follow him. He's got a really cool uh, couple of Facebook pages to kind of see what the city's doing with the Rochester Construction Watch. And uh, just some really great things that he's doing. And I'm sure any way else they think he'd get in contact with you, Matt, that people... I'm not, I'm not super it. hard to find on, on yeah. Facebook here. Um, if you go to the labeled living, you'll be able to find my email and, and touch base with me. And, and I'm happy to chat always about this kind of thing. Beautiful guys. All right. That's it. Take it easy. We'll see you soon. Thank you for tuning into the Marty Grizzani show. If you're listening on Apple podcast, leave us an honest rating and review. If you're on Spotify, make sure you follow us for weekly episodes.